down the journey you are with the Lord. But if you did not know, the Holy Ghost is in this place today. And it is not just emotion that you are feeling, but you are feeling the presence of the Almighty God. And God wants to fill somebody with His Spirit today. He wants to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. If you do not understand the Holy Ghost, you can turn into the book of Acts, where the greatest revival, that's where it began. Where the first church, book of Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter stood up and he gave the message, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's for every person in this room today. I want you to know that. That if you will allow God in, God will fill you. Every part of you. And it will make your life so much better. So much better. Thank you for responding to the word of the Lord or to the worship and the word that was spoken through worship and through singing today. Thank you. for I, I want to be known as a people that praises the Lord. And I want to make sure that we let God reign in this place. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong in this house, so strong. To all of our guests that are in this building today, thank you so much. JNCC, can we give them a hand clap of praise? Thank you for coming and being in service with us. If you do not have a home church, we would be more than honored for you to call Jesus' name Community Church your family that's what we are we're a big family we don't always uh we don't always agree uh, we sometimes disagree we sometimes have problems because we're not perfect but we serve a perfect god and every problem that we have every need that we are in need of god always takes care of that so thank you so much for being in service with us today if you have your bibles turn with me to the book of job chapter 37 then put your finger there go to book of Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 I'm going to read a quick scripture out of 37 and then I'm going to go to Ezekiel 37 the Bible says that this also my heart trembleth and is moved out of its place one translation says the storm makes my heart beat wildly go to the book of Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 and that's where I really want you to put your turn your focus to the Bible says a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you an heart of flesh I want to preach to you today on this subject tell your heart to beat again look at your neighbor and tell him say tell your heart to beat again look at your other neighbor now and say tell your heart to beat again 
Now let's pray. Lord, we love you today, God. We thank you. Lord, I ask you to minister in this house. Somebody lift your voice right now. God, I ask you for the same spirit, God, that we prayed with in the dismissal of our planning session casting vision last night. Let that same powerful anointing, God, be in this place today, God, and change somebody's life, Lord, from the top of their head to the sole of their feet, God. Lord, I ask you to fill them with your precious spirit, Lord, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout amen. Clap your hands as you're being seated this afternoon. Tell your heart to beat again. The word heart occurs over 1,000 times in the Bible, making it the most common term in the Scripture. It denotes a person's center for physical, emotional, intellectual, and moral activities. Heart denotes to both the ancient and the modern. The modern people's concept of the heart is the beating chest organ protected by the rib cage. However, the ancient people understood the heart's physical function differently than the moderns do, than we do. From their viewpoint, the heart was the central organ that moved the rest of the body. Every living, moving body has a heart. Something that keeps the blood flowing through the veins. Ancients ate to strengthen the heart and to revive the body. Because if the heart was weak, then so was the body. The book of Genesis chapter 18 verse 5 says that Abraham offers his weary guests food so that they might sustain their hearts and then go on their way. I offer today to this great congregation spiritual food to men and women that our hearts might be sustained. And then there was the figure of inaccessibility when it comes to the heart. In the old days and in the Old Testament, in the word of the Lord, they would use the term heart to help understand things that could not be understood. Things that were not reachable. The hiddenness and the inaccessibility of the physical heart gave rise to its figurative sense for anything that was remote or inaccessible. It was used as a descriptive word. Used to describe the state of something that could not really be understood. In Jonah chapter 2 verse 3, it refers to the heart of the seas. Referring to the seas fathomless. It's unapproachable depths. And then it says the heart of the heavens is its most unreachable height. And in that sense today, I'm going somewhere I promise. I want to preach to you and I want to talk and reach for the heart of the Christian man and the Christian lady. I want to go to the unreachable places in the heart of the man that calls themselves godly. I want 
able to go to the place of the woman that calls themselves holy. I want to reach the inaccessible place. You have made what you made what made your heart beat when you first came to Christ. That's what I want to reach this morning or this afternoon. I want to talk to the individual in this place that that maybe I have never been that deep in conversation with you brother Carlos maybe I have never heard the depths or the secrets that you have laid up within your treasures for the Lord some of the dreams that you have talked about some of the dreams that you have had what is it what is it church that kept you coming back the next Sunday when your family wanted no part what is it? What was it that caused you to get your hands and get on your hands and get on your knees and dig in a church flower bed in the landscape when you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even climb in your own landscape or your own flower bed at the house? What was it when you first got in church that prompted you to keep a Bible in your console on your way to work so that you could read it on your lunch break? What was it that kept you coming back when no one was inviting you and no one was talking to you and no one was texting you what was it that had you so consumed with reading the word of the Lord that there was a day that you would turn off the television and open the King James version and with not ever even really understanding at first what was coming out of those pages what was it that kept your nose in the Look! That's what I want to reach for the day. Some places that maybe I have never been. Maybe your husband has never been. Maybe maybe your family has never been. But there was something at one moment in time that you came to an altar. And Brother Tommy, you opened up a part of your heart that maybe nobody else was ever able to reach. But the Lord reached down and he said, what your, what your spouses couldn't do, what your friends couldn't do, what your jobs couldn't do, what your promotions couldn't do. God said, I will reach deeper than all of them. What was it? What was it? What was it that kept Christian music on your radio and preaching in your CD player? What was it that kept you up late at night dreaming of how you could help people? What was it? What was it that caused you to weep in His presence? What was it? What was it? What was that intangible? What was that that that, that inaccessible thing? That that thing that we really can't put a finger on it, but we're trying to find it again. What was it that kept us so faithful to fasting once a week? What was it? What was it that made us such a great? prospect at one time to be a leader in the kingdom of God. What was it that kept us on our toes and conviction filled our heart? That there was a time that we were so sincere. It wasn't It wasn't that why do I have to do that? At one time it was oh what else can I do? What was it? What was it that kept you so on fire for God that you could walk into a job where 
where there was nothing but filth and perverseness and there was all kinds of neg negativity but somehow you remained positive and you remained focused what was it that got a hold of your heart and it took an alcoholic and it turned him into a good man and it turned him into a responsible man what was it I want to I don't want to keep on belaboring the point but somebody needs to hear me today if I can go where I, I think God wants me to go today I want you to hear I got to set the stage there was a day there was a day and I'm preaching like pastor says I'm preaching to myself what was it what, what was it there was a day that our, our face couldn't get out of the book and our knees were so engraved into our prayer closet that it hurt and it ached when we got up what was it what was it that kept us faithful to the house of God when the law was made and the news hit the land that men could no longer pray to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What was it that kept Daniel kneeling three times a day and praying to his God? Well, the rest of the world was moving that way. What was it that kept a man's heart beating for the right things? What was it that kept a man's focus on morals and values and prayer when his own government said he couldn't pray? What was it? While everyone else was headed that way, he was willing and tough enough. He had something in him that was able to allow him to go against the grain while everyone else was going with the majority. What was it? The Bible says in Daniel chapter 6, verse 5, then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. It wasn't Daniel that wasn't liked. He had a good name within that town. He had a good name within that nation. The Bible actually goes on to say that there was no fault found in him. So it wasn't like nobody likes me anyways. I might as well continue to rebel and go against the grain. He was liked. He was loved. He was looked on as a great man. But there was something on the inside of him that kept him pure and kept him genuine and kept him righteous. There was something that kept him from, from, from feeling all the pats on the back and kept the world from swaying him from going one direction. That was something that kept his heart beating for what was holy and what was righteous and what was right and what was genuine. What was it, Sister Megan, that kept him going like that? The Bible says that there was no fault found in him. He could have went with the flow and been loved, been respected, been revered, but something made his heart beat for his God no matter what society thought no matter what family said no matter what friends had to say no matter what they what, what direction they were headed brother Justin there was something inside this man that he was so focused on what was right his influence was not this world his influence was not another individual his influence was the almighty God and while he could have pleased everybody else brother Danny and he could have been loved by everybody else there was something that was embedded in him that said if I'm the only one that's kneeling three times a day if I'm the only one that they throw in that lion's den if I'm the only one 
What was it that kept his heart beating for the right things? Somebody hear me today. I hope I can help somebody this afternoon when my heart began turning toward the Lord. I remembered being worried about what my friends would think. What are they going to say? I'm reaching for some. I'm reaching for somebody that walked walked in this place this afternoon in search of something more. But you have questions, and in your mind, they're legitimate questions. And I, I remember, I remember, I was raised in an apostolic home. I was raised in a pastor's home, but yet, uh, yet I, I still didn't. Li- I didn't live it like I needed to live it. I, it's obvious, you know. You most of you know my testimony, and I didn't live it. And I remember when I got back in church, I wanted to live for. God very strongly but but those questions keep coming back to me what are they going to say even after receiving the Holy Ghost that night in New Albany Mississippi I still had some anxiety to what will they think of me now and my very first message brother Tommy Wilbanks I'll never forget it I don't even know if dad remembers back that far but I remember I was preaching on a Wednesday night it was my very first message I preached a message that was awful and the name of it was the art of war and I think the I said the internet says 367,000 times I was still a long winded preacher back then though too I preached 45 minutes the first time I ever preached I'm just I mean I was a talker but what you didn't see what you didn't see was that I had found out that some of my friends were possibly coming to church that night. And I went in to my daddy and I told him, I said, I ain't ready for this. I still, something had not, something, my heart still was not completely beating for the kingdom of God. I knew what was right, but, but I hadn't completely changed. And, and I tried to talk myself out of it. Matter of fact, I cried. I cried. I went in my room and I cried and I cried and I cried. And I was so worried about what they would say. And I thought that they were going to think that I was disingenuous and that I, I was not raw, was not who I really was trying to be. And I didn't want to be a fake. I didn't want to be a phony. I didn't want to be any of that. I didn't want them to say things like, well, he's going to preach because his daddy preaches it and he ain't got nowhere else to go. And it was just bothering me and bothering me. It, it wasn't until, and let me tell you that, my daddy didn't let me out of it. Let me tell you, when your kids come to you and they, they're telling you you don't need to do that, don't, don't pat them on the back always. You pat them on the back when they need it. But there comes a time where you have to look at them and say, I don't care how scared you are. I don't care you can't run the rest of your life, boy. There's a call on your life. And you're the one that come to me said God called you. And I ain't going to let you ruin your life. And so so it wasn't until, I'll never forget, Brother Winslow, before he ever came to this church, before he ever came to this church, he was over at Brother and he caught me before the actually it was during one of the services I went over there he caught me during the service and he said don't let me forget he said I got a word for you I'd only preached one time I'd preached only one time I believe he said I got a word for you I was by myself that night and he came over he forgot <laughs> you know how he does it he, he forgot he didn't I thought man he didn't have nothing and I was about to leave and he was walking out and he said I didn't give you your word did I and I said no sir you didn't 
He said, let me tell you what I've seen you doing in the Lord and the Holy Ghost. He said, he said, I've seen you standing before thousands. And he said, I've seen you painting a picture. He said, you had a, a canvas up there. And he said, you were just painting away. He said, you, were, you had the brush in your hand. And he said, you would dip it. And he said, you were just painting. And he said, while you were painting, he said, people were running to the altar. And he prayed for me. He laid hands on me. And something happened to me in the Holy Ghost that night. And all of a sudden, the way I thought began to change the way my heart began to beat it began to beat for different things and I quit worrying about what so and so thought of me and I quit worrying about what my friends thought of me and I thought you know what I'll just have to prove myself with longevity and let them know that what I have is the real thing that it's the real deal and that night I'll never forget my heart began to change and my, th my thinking began to change the book of Mark says and in it says in that in the chapter, I think it's the 16th chapter, it says, it, it says, repent ye, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That word repent, and I teach it a lot, it, it comes from a Greek word called metanoia, and it literally means to change the way that you think. There's some of you in this place that have never reached the, your full potential because you're still thinking with a carnal mind. You've got to, the, the Lord's already fixed your heart, and you're walking in the right way but you got to start thinking differently another another definition was it changes your heart it changes the direction of your heart what we've got to do in this place is we've got to change our heart and we've got to make sure that our heart beats only for Jesus Christ Paul said thrice was I beaten with rods. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered a shipwreck. What was it that kept Paul coming back? What was it? I look over this congregation. Let me tell you. I look to my elders. I look to my elders when I when I'm in search. I told them last night at, the, at vision casting. I said we need more el we need more elderly couples and more middle aged couples. The leading this our church is predominantly young adults, and we have a ton of it. And that's awesome. That is awesome, and that's great. But we need some couples in this church who are going to be strong apostolic couples, so that that, that we can look, the next generation can look, and you wherever you set the tone, wherever you set the standard. Wherever you, that's what the next generation is going to follow. You're, they're going to take your lead, and so we have to make sure that when we come, when we come into the house of the Lord, even when we think, "Well, I've done lived this for several years. I've done this for several years." You better make sure that your heart's beating for the right things, because we're setting the next generation up. We're setting the next church up. We're setting the, the next leaders of this church up, and we got to make sure that our heart is beating for the right things we speak of learning by the heart by which we mean rote memory the Bible however learning by heart is not like memorizing the multiplication tables it must be fixed with spiritual affections the Lord complains to Israel that their worship is made up only of rules taught by men but their hearts are far from me it says in Isaiah 29 and 13 wherefore the Lord said for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me but have removed their hearts far from me you see people never start out at this place we don't start out complacent we start out 
on fire for God. We start out with genuine tears at an altar. It don't just happen like that overnight. We began this journey not because we thought it would be cool. We, became, we, we came because we were lost. We were lost. We, we were depressed. We were suicidal. We were bankrupt. We were lonely. And we came to church because we needed more. And in the midst of our lives tumbling downward, God gave us life. And He gave it to us more abundantly. And our hearts started beating again. You know what He did? Really what it was, it was a spiritual open heart surgery. Book of Ezekiel, our scripture text. A new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart. Really what God did when you come down to that altar is He cut, He cut your cavity, your, your chest cavity open. And He preached in. And He took that old heart that was barely beating, that had stopped. And He took that stony heart out. And He put that good heart in. That that spiritual heart, the heart that he chose, and he put it in your chest, and all of a sudden that heart started beating again. I want you to look around you right now. I want you, I want you to look around at how powerful God is. I want you to look on the stage and see how awesome of a surgeon that our God is. He has taken racist hearts, he has taken greedy hearts, arrogant hearts. Bitter hearts, jealous hearts, lying hearts, deceitful hearts, broken hearts, lonely hearts, perverted hearts, and surgically remove them in the spirit and then replace them. Oh, God is so, God is so awesome, isn't He? What the communities couldn't do. What your mom and dad couldn't do. What your friends couldn't figure out. And one moment at an altar call, he took that old alcoholic and he opened him up and he put the, a shepherd's heart in there. And he took that old drug addict, the one that stole from his mother, stole from his own father. He took that old drug addict and what his parents tried for years, spending thousands and thousands of dollars. When that man ran to that service, to that altar call, and he responded, and he finally let God and people do something with him. God did something that nobody else could do. He took that lady that was a terrible mother, that was addicted to all kinds of drugs, that couldn't, couldn't hold a job, that couldn't, couldn't provide for her family emotionally, couldn't provide for her family with, with anything thing. He took that lady that wasn't faithful. He took that lady that had been through so much and had all kind of bitterness and hurt and pain and he cut her open and did what nobody else could do. I look across this building. None of us are necessarily where we need to be. I understand that. But you have to acknowledge that God has done a great work in this house. You have to acknowledge that God has done a wonderful thing in this place.
You have to look around if you really knew and if you understood some of the stories and the testimonies like I understand them and like I do. You have to acknowledge that God has done some things that man could not do. I look at people across this place. I look at you, Brother Bud Bates. I, I, I look at you, Brother Danny Keeman. I, I look at you. I, I look at Brother Justin Barnes. I, I look at you. I look at you. Now, all of us are on different journeys. And we're all, we're all on different places of our journeys. I look at Brother Tommy Wilbanks. And I look at you people. I look at you men. I look at you ladies. Sister Cheryl Kirkman, I look at you. And people don't realize, you see, you see, you've been in church a long time. And many of us only know you as the great, the great apostolic mother that you are and, and the person that's always faithful they forget we quickly forget and some of us weren't ever around but there wasn't at all always a time that you were faithful to church and there wasn't always a time that you were a godly lady and there wasn't always a time you see we forget those things we think they just had let me tell you something God has done a work in this place what is it what is it what is it that keeps a lady coming to church for 30 years what is it it keeps her heart beating for the right things while everybody else is leaving and everybody else is walking off and everybody else is what keeps that person going what is it I look at people like brother Crocker brother and sister Crocker You have to, you have to acknowledge, you have to acknowledge that, that you're looking at a man that's never preached. I don't guess, has Brother Crocker ever preached, Sister Crocker? Brother Crocker, you ever preached a sermon? Anybody, your dad was a preacher though, right? Is that right? Anybody ever, ever paid you to preach? Anybody ever paid you to come to church? What is it? What is it that keeps a man? I know, I know how we think sometimes. Well, Brother Corey, you, you come to church because that's the way you make a living. Let me tell you something. I would come to church if I didn't make a living preaching out and, and evangelizing. But since I can't use me for an example, let me look to some of the other people. What is it that keeps a man for 60 years coming to the house of God faithfully? Well, I'm sure there's been hurt and I'm sure there's been offenses and I'm sure that there's been things. What keeps a man, his heart beating for the right things with his family saying we got to get to church. We got to be faithful. Sister Crocker, get the babies ready. Years ago, while I'm sure there's been men and women who've come and gone along the way, what is it? It keeps a man's heart beating for the right things. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. What is it? What is it that keeps the church doors open for 30 years? For leaders who leaders trying to lead people and people trying to trying to keep things going, trying to keep their kids coming to, around, trying to keep their marriages together, trying to keep the, the lights on at their house. But yet, yet, while all of the ruckus is going on, when Sunday comes around at about 11 o'clock, 10.30, they look at their husband or they look at their wife and they say, I know we're wore out. And I know that we're tired, but there's something beating in my chest that keeps me coming back week in and week out. What is it that keeps the doors open?
Somebody hear me today. There's a new passion in me. I was at because of the times this week. And something happened to me. Something happened to me when I was standing there. Because I remember as a young preacher. And I've told this before. But I remember when Brother brother Crocker, I didn't get paid either. I, I was working at Walmart Distribution Center. And I was working at Ashley Furniture. And I was doing those things. And at that time, I didn't think that I would ever pastor a church. I'm being honest with you right now. I didn't think I would ever evangelize. And now I look back and I think, man, God, you're so good. You're so good to me. But let me tell you, I remember, I remember, there wasn't no dates filled up in my calendar. Wasn't nobody calling my phone. Oh, but the Lord would give me messages. And I didn't know if I'd ever get to preach them. I said, God, why are you giving me these revelations? If, I, if I'm never going to get to speak them. Why are you giving me these messages and these sermons, God? If I'll never get to, I wasn't naive. I understood. I understood what my past was like. I understood how it would be hard to follow. I'm just being vulnerable and exposing myself. And I remember those days as some of the greatest times of my life. I remember I remember working at those, those furniture factories. And, and then I was riding down the road and I'd be weeping and crying I remember being in college and the Lord started dealing with me right there I wanted to be a, a teacher and a football coach I loved football coach, coaching but something in the midst of all that in the midst of that my heart started changing and I began to look at those people as they walked down and I would begin to weep in my truck and my tummy I'd say God why in the world am I crying right now why am I weeping right now God and my heart began to beat for different things just beating beating all of a sudden the way I lived the way I viewed things it began to change it began to change began to change in my life and I'm going to be honest with you the last two or three years have been the toughest been the toughest for me and I've been praying I've been fasting. Now, we wasn't even going to go because of the times. I told, I told Amelia we, we weren't going. I told mom and dad that they didn't even go. And, and it was one of those deals where I didn't need to go, but I, I needed to go, if you know what I mean. And I said, I'm not going. My father-in-law called me. I said, Lord, if you want us to go, I said, you're going to have to make a way. I said, because financially I ain't doing it. I said, I can't do it. So you got to make a way. And I'm not kidding. It was probably two hours later my father-in-law called the phone and he said, Corey, he said, I'm, I'm going I'm to bring you to because of the times. He said, I'm going to pick you up. I said, no, I'm not going. He said, why? I said, I just, I, I don't need to go right now. He said, if you'll go, he said, I'll pay your gas, I'll pay your hotel, I'll pay your registration. He said, I'll buy every meal and I'll bring you back home. He said, you and I said, hey, sir, I'm going to go. And while I was there, it was like the Lord just started putting things in me. I'm so sorry today. And I want you to understand that if we're going to do anything for God, our heart must beat for His kingdom. We, we're going to live in this world, but we are not of this world. 
And we have to remember that we're the only Jesus that this world sees. And if we don't step out and be a light to this world, and we don't separate ourselves from this world, and if we don't do those things, let me tell you, we're not going to reach a lost and dying world. But there's got to be somebody that gets back on board and where you used to be, where your heart used to pound for the kingdom. And you used to weep over souls. And you used to weep over the revelation that the, that the word of God was jumping out at you. That the word of God was giving you. That's what's got to happen again. It's got to happen. Somebody's got to get a passion. Somebody's got to get a love. Sister Cheryl, our heart has to beat again. Our heart has to beat again. There was a day that we'd fill this church up with guests. There was a day that we'd show up early and we'd be the first ones in the prayer room. That was a day that we'd be the first jumping to our feet saying, I'll fast, Pastor. That was a day that our heart beat and it beat for God and God only. Jesus says that the heart's secrets are betrayed by the mouth even as a tree's fruit discloses its nature. You can't hide what the heart feels. When your love and your heart is in love with God, you can hear it in their conversation. Solomon said, a wise man's heart guides his mouth. We are the filters to our home. And I told this to our, to our leadership team. We are the filters. This stage here, this pulpit, whatever comes through me... And I, and it just, it's got a hold on me more than ever. But whatever I allow, whatever I filter through me, that's what's going to filter into this congregation. Whatever comes through me, that's what's going to filter into this congregation. And you hear me, mothers and fathers. You hear me, husbands. You are the priest of the home. And you are the filter to that home. And whatever comes through you, that's what's going to come into your children. Whatever your heart beats for, that's what your son's going to beat for. That's what your daughter's is going to beat for. I sat in my truck, I sat in my truck last night with Brantley and I talked to him for 35 to 45 minutes in that truck there. We just talking on the way home from the planning session and we were talking about God and I thought in the back of my mind, I take him roping and I'm going to keep doing that. You got to have balance. I take him golfing and I'm going to spend time with him of those things. I take him hunting and I'm a terrible hunting a hunter. I'll have to send him with Brother Bobby. But but we do all those things. We do all those things. But let me tell you, if I never take time out to talk to him about the word of the Lord and talk to him about faithfulness and talk to him about commitment and let him know that my heart beats not only just to rope a, a cow and just to hit a baseball and to shoot a basketball, but I want him to know that my heart beats for the kingdom of God. Whatever filters through you, that's what filters into your family. Hear me right now. You say, give me scripture over it. I will. Moses. I'll give you Moses and I'll give you David. Moses was a great man. He was a great man, but he had all kinds of insecurities. 
There was a lot of places that he was weak. As a matter of fact, the Lord tried to get him to walk into the Pharaoh and talk to him. And he all he could do was tell him why he couldn't do it. I can't talk good enough, God. I'm not I'm not qualified to do this. And it got to a point that that, that even, even he didn't ever completely, completely d d listen and, and heed to the voice of God because he had to have somebody walk with him in securities. And it didn't just stop there, but he led a group of people. And and you will see in that group of people that those insecurities and all those weaknesses filtered down into those people because the Lord told him, he said, Moses, send spies out in to Canaan. He said, get them into Canaan. And when he sent them out, the people that was led by Moses, 80% of them come back. 10 out of 12 came, at, came back and they said, the walls are too big and there's giants in the land and we can't do this. But then you have David. Somebody find 2 Samuel for me. 2 Samuel 21, verse 16. Give them a mic. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Here you go, Brother Justin, when you get it. You have David, who had his flaws and he had his weaknesses too. But let me tell you one thing he was not, and that was insecure. He was not insecure. He had a confidence in the Lord. He, he fought a lion and it built his faith. He fought a bear and it built his faith. So much that when he walked up to the Israelites and when the Philistines were fighting them, there was a giant standing down in the valley by the name of Goliath. And nobody was willing to go fight. And that little boy named David who walked up with such confidence in the Lord and he said is nobody going to go if nobody will go then I'll go and the Bible says he walked down there and he slew that giant there wasn't one soldier that day that would do what that boy that little shepherd boy would do but then all of a sudden the roles turned and no longer did they have a leader that was insecure that was weak that was soft and, and they had David and what David did here's the thing whatever filters through us filters through our people and let me tell you this David was he was a giant killer but watch what happens remember there was nobody on that hill willing to walk down just him until David took the reins and watch what six at 21 chapter second Samuel chapter 21 I believe it is in verse what verse 16 and Ishbibanab, which was the of the sons of the giant. Stop right there. Here, here it is. It was the sons of the giant. I still want you to read it, Brother Justin. He was a giant. All right, go ahead. The weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight. He being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. Okay, stop right there. Now all of a sudden, David, the roles have turned. There was a time where he stood at the first of his journey. He stood over this giant. And he was about to slay. He was he slayed. He cut the head off of Goliath. But now the roles have turned. And Ishbenob is standing, one of the sons of the giants. And he's standing over David, about to kill him. Read 17. But Abishai, the sons of Zariah, secured him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. That was a time in Israel that there wasn't one person in their, in their infantry, not one person in their army, not one person that they could pull out and say, go fight this giant. But as soon as David took the reins, something got in the hearts of the men. It got, it, there was confidence. There was, there was a, and at the drop of a hat, at the drop of a hat, he said, I'll be a giant killer. Let me tell you you right now you hear me right now parents you hear me right now leaders what
whatever we are that's what whoever we're leading that's what they become we better make sure that our heart is beating for the right thing I wish somebody would stand to their feet right now and say God help me help me God make sure my heart is beating for the right things I have to ask you today, where is our heartbeat? Where is our heartbeat? I love horses, but I better make sure my heart beats for His kingdom. I love my family, but I better make sure my heart beats for Him. I love my friends, but let me tell you, if you don't want to live for God, don't think that's going to change the beat of my heart. Because, Brother Carlos, I'm in this for the long haul. And I got three little babies. That the most important thing in their life is they make it to heaven. And my heart has to beat for him. Danny Gokey sings a song wrote by Phillips Craig and Dean. And it's called this Tell Your Heart to Beat Again. There's a story behind this song. There's an Ohio pastor has a surgeon that goes to his church. I want you to listen to me today. It's a surgeon that went to his church. This pastor was a adrenaline junkie. He loved the Lord, but he loved jumping out of airplanes and doing all these things. And he went to the surgeon and he told the surgeon in his church, he said, if you don't mind, he said, I, I would love just to see what you guys do. He said, can I sit in one of your, one of your surgeries? Maybe an open heart surgery. And so the surgeon said, I don't know if, if, if that's, if I need to. He said, but I, I'm going to let you. So I'm going to let you. And so he was in this particular surgery, this open heart surgery. It was going forth and, and this lady that they were, uh, they were performing the surgery on, she, they, they did everything right. Everything was attached back. They sewed her back up, but the heart would not beat. It would not beat. They tried some more extreme measures. They tried to shock her. They did all kinds of things. And Brother Bobby Hall, the heart would not beat. It would not beat. The pastor said that the surgeon that went to his church, he said he knelt down beside the hospital bed and he said, I could read the doctor's lips. He said, he whispered into that lady's ear. He said, ma'am, everything is secure. Your heart is put back together. He said, all you have to do is to tell your heart to beat again. And when he told her that, the heart began to beat. Somebody hear me today. When Jesus Christ was crucified and He was thrown into the tomb for a split second, for a moment, hell had a party. It was a party in hell because the heartbeat of Jesus Until that third day. And fear gripped the hearts of every demon, every imp. Because all of a sudden they heard that heartbeat again.
and they realized that it was not over. I wish we would all stand to our feet today. I want you to hear me this morning or this afternoon. I want to open these altars today. God's put your heart back together. It's all fixed in there. But all you have to do is to tell your heart to beat again. Come on, somebody. I know this is different. I know this is unorthodox. I know that we're not used to this type of service or altar call. But I'm telling you, God's trying to move in this place. God's trying to move in this place. Can I reach down and whisper in your ear and tell you what that good old doctor said? God's got everything taken care of. And nobody's condemning you here today. But all you got to do is tell your heart to beat again. Sit, Sister Shelley, let God touch you right now. Let God touch you right now. I don't know about you, but I want my heart to beat. I want my heart to beat for the right things. I want my heart to beat for the things that are going to last, for the things that are going to count. Eternal things. What is it? What is it? Oh, come on, come on. Let the Holy Ghost move throughout this place. Come on. Oh, there's a spirit of intercessory prayer in this place. Oh, that spirit, that, 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 that passion and that love for souls that used to keep you up at night weeping. That passion and love for people that would keep you at an altar call longer than anybody else. That hunger, that hunger and thirst to see people saved, to see people baptized, to see people learn the word of the Lord. Where is it? Come on. There's a heartbeat of this church. There's a heartbeat. 
What was it that made you overlook petty things and kept you coming to the house of God? What was it that made you overlook offenses that says, I know they said that about me, but I'm all right. I'm all right because my heart is beating for the kingdom of God. What is it that made you write letters? What is it that caused you to send out text messages? What was it that had you sending out emails? Stopping at every bookstore, every Christian bookstore, so that you could get your hands on another book that might help you. What was it? come on church come on church come on church I'm telling you God's doing something in this place right now he's ministering to somebody right now he's helping somebody right now oh God oh God that's it that's it come on that's it Katie let God touch you right now Oh, 